hey, if you've been here at Homestead for the summer, you know that we are in a series on the book of Psalms, but we're going to take a break from that today because we have a special guest who is going to share with us. We have Pastor John O'Gates here today, who is my good friend. He was a youth pastor for six years down in Rochester, and now he travels full-time. He's an evangelist. He speaks at camps. He speaks at churches, at youth groups, young adult events. And so would you give a nice homestead welcome to my good friend, Reverend John O'Gates. Good morning, church. How you feeling this morning? You alive? You awake? Hope so. Y'all slept in today. So I'm expecting you all to be a rowdy bunch this morning. Uh, it is an honor to be here. As Pastor Steve mentioned, my name is John O'Gates, and uh, I have the opportunity to travel and preach full-time. How many of you guys know that's a pretty sweet uh, job? And uh, to be able to share God's word is an honor and a privilege I do not take lightly. Um, a little bit about me real briefly. I was a youth pastor, as he said, for six years in Rochester, Minnesota. And in 2021, I heard... God stir my heart pretty powerfully uh, multiple, multiple times and just called, confirmed, reaffirmed this decision to literally do something I've never done so I could see something that I've never seen before. And uh, basically left my home church, church that I love and hopefully loved me, and literally left financial security and took a leap of faith. Uh, to step into full-time traveling. And let me just tell you, it has been the best seven months of my life. Uh, God has provided more in these seven months than I've ever seen in the six years of full-time pastoral ministry. And how many of you guys know when you actually follow Jesus, you see the provision of Jesus. And if God is stirring your heart to go somewhere to do something, let me tell you, if God has spoken, he will also sustain you in it. And uh, let me just encourage you and build your faith today. And I want to share a message from James chapter 1. And uh, it's funny, when I was, you know, contemplating the whole uh, stepping out and doing full-time traveling, preaching, I was talking with a buddy of mine. And, you know, while we were talking and I was processing with him, he looked at me, he goes, John, this is the time to do it. I was like, why is that? He goes, you're not married. He's like, you don't have a wife. You don't have a house. You don't have kids. You don't have a dog. He's like, you have nothing. I was like, thank you for reminding me how little I've achieved in my life. And so um, how many of you guys know, though, it's still scary, regardless of whether you have a family or a house. Um, but so excited to preach this word. James 1, 19 says this. It's going to be a big Bible on the screen. It says, my brothers and sisters, take note of this. How many know when the Bible puts something in there to literally say, take note, we probably should take note. Take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen and slow to speak, slow to become angry, because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. Therefore, get rid of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent, and humbly accept the word planted in you, which can save you. Do not merely listen to the word. Do what it says. Hello, what a word for today. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word... 
and does not do what it says. It's like someone who looks at his face in the mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what it looks like. But whoever looks intently, I love that word, intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they have heard, but also doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. Those who consider themselves religious, so everyone in this room, let's listen up. Those who consider themselves religious and yet do not keep a tight rein on their tongue deceive themselves and their religion is worthless. Religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this, to look at the orphans and the widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. Let's pray and ask the Lord to show up today. Jesus, I pray right now by the power of your spirit, you would do what only you can do and you would change, transform lives. God, I pray for the person hurting today. God, I pray you'd bring healing, bring hope, and bring purpose. In Jesus' name, everybody said amen, amen, amen. Um, how many of you guys got hobbies in here? Yeah, come on, come on. You're way more engagement than the other two services. Praise God. All right, here we go. I'm expecting this as a standard from now on from y'all. Just kidding. But uh, one of the things that I love to do, uh, I love to work out. Now, um, I'm kinesthetic. I know that's a fancy word for basically I learn and love movement. So I learn really well when I'm moving, when I'm running, when I'm lifting, playing sports, that kind of thing. And so uh, when I was in high school, I never was really into like fitness, but I played like soccer. Don't hate me, okay? I know it's kind of like the forbidden sport for some people. I played soccer, did gymnastics. And when I was um, in college, my senior year at North Central, um, I basically started working out and then literally took a job in Rochester, Minnesota, and I knew nobody. So the thing I did every single day, I'm a man of routine and habit. Come on, somebody. Uh, I would wake up, go to work, go to the gym, eat dinner, wake up, go to work, <laughs> go to the gym, eat dinner, wake up. Same thing, like every day. Like I'm a creature of habit. And so um, being a creature of habit, you start to see other creatures of habit in the similar spaces and places. So you start to build a community at the gym. Now, naturally, I would like to say, I would like to think, Pastor Steven, you can correct me if I'm wrong, that I am a fairly friendly individual. And so if I know you, if we've met before, I'm going to introduce myself. I'm going to say hello. I'm going to see in passing. I'm going to wave, give you a nod, like go give you a hug. You know what I'm saying? And so, like, I met this gentleman probably, like, seven days prior to the day that I was in this gym, and I saw him. Now, it was a real brief introduction we had, and so I saw him from a distance, and I did my hello little wave from probably the end of this building here. And all of a sudden, like, he yelled something back, but I had my AirPods in, and I couldn't really hear what he said. But I noticed his face looked a little aggressive. And so I went up to him and I said, my friend, I'm sorry, I missed what you said. He drops his weight super aggressively. He looks at me and says, what's your problem with me? Like, what? Like, my problem? Well, he's like, yeah, all you're doing is you're just staring at me all day. I'm like, I am? Like, I don't know really what to say here. He goes, you're a Christian, right? He's like, you're so fake. And he walks off and I'm like, Okay, and so now a little fun fact about me is I'm like what you'd call a people watcher, okay? People are just fascinating. Where are my people watchers at? 
Come on, no shame. Okay, let's just, let's, <laughs> we're all in this together. And so, um, especially at the gym, okay, um, I love watching people at the gym. It's very fascinating to me. And so I'm sitting there in between a workout, and I'm kind of resting, right? Because you just want, you don't want to go like literally 100,000 miles an hour. You're going to have a very short workout. So you got to spread out, have sets and all that stuff. And so I'm in between a set, and I'm resting. And all of a sudden, I can see in my peripheral vision this dude pacing back and forth. Now, I, I glanced over at him, and this is what he's doing. Like death staring me. And so I'm thinking to myself, I'm going to die today. Like, this dude's going to kill me. And so he literally makes eye contact with me, and he, he gets low, and he goes, hello. He's like, what's your problem with me? I'm like, dude, we about to have a problem. Now, I'm a lover, not a fighter. Okay, so I walk up to him trying to de-escalate the situation. You know what I'm saying? So I'm like, bro, dude, I don't know. We got off on the wrong foot, wires crossed. My friend, I have no problem with you. He goes, dude, all you're doing is you're staring at me. You want to fight? Let's go fight. I'm like, no. He pulls down his shirt. He's got this scar right across his chest. He goes, you want to go outside and fight? I've been stabbed. And I'm like, I don't want to be. Like, at least let a brother get married first, then you can stab me. You know what I'm saying? Have you ever found yourself in a situation or a season that you walked into that you didn't know how to walk out of? Like, I think we all can relate in certain moments and seasons and situations in following Jesus that there will be a time where no matter how intentional you are, no matter how hard you try, you are forced to face what you find yourself in the middle of. You can't ignore it. You can't change it. You're in it, so now you got to walk through it. You know, one of the things I always ask married couples of 30 to 40 to 50 years and say, what is the key to a successful marriage? You want to know what they tell me? They say, John, the key to a successful marriage is this. Pick your battles. Now, it's great. But what about when the battle picks you? What about when the battle shows up in your life and you don't have a say in the matter? You don't have a say in the moment. Because let's be really honest. Like, life is difficult. <laughs> life can be hard. Life can be unexpected. Things can go not planned. And, and literally, you can't even predict it. And I've often found that when life gets hard, when life doesn't go the way that you want, when life doesn't go the way that you thought, when everything seems to be falling apart, when all the problems keep piling up, it's hard to know what to do. It's hard to know how to respond. It's hard to know what to say. And if I'm honest with you guys this morning, I don't always know how to handle it. I don't always know how to handle what's happening. Because the truth is, there's not just a lot that's happening in my life or your life. There's a lot that's happening around the world right now that's hard to handle. There's a lot that's happening in our nation right now that's hard to handle. There's a lot that's happening in culture right now that is hard to handle. There's so many problems creating so many pieces. Families are breaking apart. Friendships are falling apart. There's so much we're uncertain about, so much we're confused about. There's all this conflict, all this chaos, all this injustice, and I don't always know what to say about it. I don't always know what to do about it, how to respond to everything. See, like, 
I don't know how to respond to all the issues happening around me. I don't know how to respond to all the differing opinions of the people close to me. I don't know how to respond to all the information that people send me. I don't know who to go to, who to talk to, what sources I can trust. There's all these voices, all these choices that are advocating for my attention. It's overwhelming. And I wonder if, just like me, maybe you found yourself in a season, situation, or space where you feel forced into a spot that you don't know how to respond to. Because we can work through our past, but how do we walk out today? Like, let's be honest. Some of us walked through some of the hardest seasons of our life the past 24 months, from the complexity of COVID-19 to the division within our nation. How do we handle, how do we wrap our head around the division, the conflicts, and the tension in our world? And see, I believe that it is important for us as the church of Jesus Christ to talk about the things that seem difficult to talk about. I believe that the church should not be avoiding the things that God has called the church to address. And I believe it is imperative for us as the church of Jesus Christ to talk about the things that go against God's purpose for his church. And I believe that this message could not be more needed for this generation in this time. And I believe this is the time for the church of Jesus Christ to stand up boldly, to speak up confidently with delicacy, wisdom, and grace. And I believe that if we're going to step into the space that God has ordained his generation of believers to be in, if we're going to address what God has anointed his church to address, then we cannot avoid the very spaces and places that God has graced us to step into. Because we cannot change what we are unwilling to confront. We cannot fix what we are not willing to face. And I don't want to be the kind of pastor or the kind of person that is never willing to have hard conversations. That literally avoids having um, conversations because things are, te are deemed too difficult or too messy. I want to be the kind of person who's willing to have hard conversations. Who's willing to lean into the mess. Yes, I want to be delicate. And yes, I want to have wisdom. But I want to be the person that's willing to sit with the people in the hardest season of their life and say, hey, I'm may not be able to relate to everything you're going through, but I want you to know something. I'm here with you. I'm going to sit with you, and we're going to walk through this because here's the deal. People don't need you to fix them. They just need you to sit with them. See, you don't have to have the answer. You just need to redirect them to the one who is the answer. It's when we sit with people in the confusion. It's when we sit with people in the conflicts. It's when we sit with people in the deepest pain of our life that we see restoration take place in this generation. It's when we see healing take place in our world. And 2020 and 2021 showed us a lot of things. And many of us are still processing through what we walk through. And some studies indicate that it will take up to 10 years for us to process through emotionally and psychologically the trauma over those 24 months. And some of the things that we're still in today. From the division to the complexities, we may never know the full impact of these moments and how they've affected us. But the truth is, church, our world is hurting. Our world is divided, divided over opinions, divided over perspectives, over what's right, over what's wrong. There's all these voices being shared, all these opinions being known. Everyone wants their voice to be heard. And in a time that we've never had more access to connection, we've never seen more isolation. Our social media feeds are full, but our 
our, our souls are completely empty. It's like we're seen, but we're not known. People become so educated with the facts, but they become completely ignorant to people's feelings. And we're living in a time where disagreement means we divide because division has become our default. And in the midst of all the disagreements, in the midst of all the damage that has been done, my friends, a divided world needs a united church. Our world needs a generation of believers that would stand in the gap, that would be a bridge for the reconciliation. See, we don't need more believers that are just empathizers. We need more believers who have compassion for other people. Because you want to know the difference between compassion and empathy? Compassion always leads to action. Every single time in scripture when Jesus says that he had compassion, it was led by action. What if this group of believers at Homestead Community Church was that group of believers, the believing believers. We have too many unbelieving believers. We need some believing believers that would say, this world needs Jesus, we're going to bring them Jesus. This world needs healing, we're going to bring them healing. This world needs unity, we are going to be a part of bridging this world with the power and the presence of Jesus. See, Jesus is the only one that can heal this world. And I just wonder, in this time as a pastor, you have some interesting conversations with people. Because a lot of people come up to you and they say, John, why doesn't God do something about all the chaos? Why doesn't he do something about all the pain? Why doesn't he do something about all the division? And I just wonder if God is sitting up in heaven looking back down at us saying, I did do something. I put my spirit in you so you can be emboldened, so you can be empowered, so you can step out in the peace of God and bring reconciliation where there is division. See, what if we were the kind of believers that, as James said, we don't just show up on a Sunday morning and listen to some dude in way too tight of skinny jeans and then leave feeling good about ourselves. But what if we actually listened and we applied it? What if we listened and, catch this, we lived it? How would that change our world? How would that change not just the world but our world, our homes, our hearts, our lives? See, we need some believing believers that would step out with God's power, with his spirit, for God's purpose. But let me tell you this. When you stand up, you will stand out. You will stand out to the criticism, to people's comments. But here's the deal. People will always criticize what they do not understand. They will always belittle what they know nothing about. And it is the people that have decided to literally become content with their dysfunction that decide to become resentful to the ones who want to change their destiny. Don't let the people who know you the least define you the most. Don't let the people who decided to forfeit their purpose keep you from walking out yours. God has put his spirit in you. Step out and watch God show off. See, oftentimes I've discovered that sometimes God is waiting for us to step. And God shows up and he shows out. See, let me say this about unity real quick. Uh, unity is not everyone looking the same. Not everyone sounding the same, not everyone being the same. That's uniformity. Unity looks like diversity. Different backgrounds, different perspectives, different cultures. If you're not a fan of diversity, 
you're not going to be a fan of eternity because it's going to be every tribe, every tongue, every nation standing and kneeling before the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords singing, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, the only one that can bring healing, the only one that can bring unity to this world. Now, I've taken extra time this morning to communicate the tensions and the relevance of our world and our culture and our life because I believe there is absolute relevance within this text. How many of you guys know um, the Bible is still relevant? How many of you guys know God still speaks? Now, I love the book of James because the book of James is super practical and it's encouraging. Come on, somebody. Words of affirmation, love languages, that's me, okay? I love a good word of encouragement. Now, James is writing this text to a group of Jews who are now literally getting killed and they're scattered and they're divided all across the region of Jerusalem. Now, what they're walking through is difficult because they are essentially dying for their faith. Now, when we say, when we think dying, that's not really like um, cutting it. For, for us, they're literally getting cut in half. They're getting sawed in half for their faith in Jesus. They're literally burning at the stake. They're literally dying because of their faith in Jesus. Now, that's pretty intense. <laughs> Last time I checked, I don't think a lot of us are getting cut in half for our faith. And he's writing this text to encourage them to keep going in the midst of difficulty. He's writing this letter to encourage them that when life gets hard, when everything's falling to pieces, to keep holding on to faith, to keep moving forward. He's saying, hey, I know what you're going through. I know what you're experiencing today is difficult. I know that there's a lot that's going on. I know it's confusing and I know it's hard. But I need you to know that your feelings for today don't have to define your faith for tomorrow. I need you to know that what you're walking through isn't actually a setback. It's setting up what God is producing in you and what he wants to bring through you. And then all of a sudden, there's this shift and contrast in the way that he writes this letter. Watch the tone shift. In verse 19, he says, but then take note of this. In other words, lean in. Get this in your spirit. Remember this. Everyone. You know, I looked up that word in Greek. You want to know what that means? Everyone. Regardless of age, regardless of background, everyone should be quick to listen and slow to speak. Okay, hold up. Wait a minute. What is this dude talking about? We just went from talking about persevering through the trials that they are in to now talking about the power of the tongue that they have. That's a weird contrast. <laughs> like that is a, a, a weird shift to just all of a sudden go into. This guy's literally writing to a group of believers who are getting killed for their faith. The hardest thing they're walking through in their life. And this dude has the audacity to talk about the power of their words. Come on, James. What you doing, man? Like, why don't you share more about how to hold on to Jesus? Why don't you talk a little more about how to be faithful to the finish? Why is James talking about something so small, something so insignificant? But here's the deal. I wonder if James, the half-brother of Jesus, understood something that many of us in the church today struggle to understand. And it's this. What if the biggest way to see healing, the biggest way to see unity 
the biggest way to see God invade this earth does not come from how loud we are, but it comes from how well we listen. Ooh, <laughs> what a word for our culture. In a, in a society that wants to have the first word in and the last word out, to have all of our opinions known, our disagreements loud and clear. See, that's what culture says. That's how society thinks. Now, I think we've lost the art of listening because we, we have too many people who listen so they can speak. They don't listen to truly hear. They listen so they can add their comment. They listen so they can add their opinion. That's not listening. Listen here, church. <laughs> No pun intended there. Listening is the desire to connect to someone's heart over the desire to be heard. That's listening. You may impress people with how you speak, but you will impact people with how you listen. You may be not, they, they won't even remember what you say, but they will remember how you made them feel. Like what if we were the kind of people they didn't just listen so we could share, but we listened so we could learn. What if we were the kind of people that would sit long enough with the people in our life that are in the midst of the hardest season of their life, not just so we could see their need, but we could help meet their need. See, that's what Jesus did. He always saw the need, but then didn't leave it at that. He also met the need. And I wonder if many of us would sit long enough, it would allow us to ask some questions. And I wonder if we started asking questions, if we'd be less critical. Because we'd stop assuming certain things about other people. We'd start asking things about other people. Would we become more critical if we were less curious? Because you want to know what makes your life miserable is when we make it about ourselves. But you want to live a meaningful life? You want to live a life that makes a difference? Make it about other people. Think about the life of Jesus. He came so others. It was all about others. It was all about people. And yet we as followers of Jesus, we should be reflecting that same heart. See, I think maybe James, the half-brother of Jesus, had the wisdom and understanding to see that our impact as believers in this world is not predicated on how quick we are to speak. And Lauren, you can come on up as we land this plane. But it is predicated on our willingness to listen. See, there's enough voices in the world. There's enough opinions being shared. Could something so small actually carry so much significance? Could, could it be so simple? As to slowing down my desire to speak and quickening my ability to listen. Like, as much as we value our opinions, opinions cannot heal. As much as we value our perspectives, perspectives do not regenerate a heart. Only Jesus can. Then James, in this chapter, this final moment of this chapter, he goes on to this moment that I like to call a mic drop moment. He says, those who consider themselves religious. So you, if you have a faith in Jesus, if you put your faith in the Son of God and you say, you know what, I'm a Christian, I'm a Jesus follower. This is for you. Listen in. If you consider yourself religious yet do not keep a tight rein on your tongue. In other words, anyone who does not carefully watch, monitor, keep an eye on what they say or, hello, how they say it. Come on, you can say the right thing and say it the wrong way. 
says, they do not watch it. They deceive themselves, and their religion is worthless. Whew. That's pretty intense. That's like an intense word. It's, it's worthless. Um, it's worthless. Now, that word worthless in its original language indicates something of having uselessness. Something of having no purpose, of having no point, of no meaning, of no substance. So this is powerful. James isn't just trying to step on our toes. He's actually trying to step on our tongues. He's saying, hey, church, believers, I need you to know what you're walking through is hard. But here's the deal. Do not discredit the presence of God in your life because of the words that come out of your mouth. Finish strong. Finish faithfully. See, I've seen so many believers lose credibility because of what they've said. From how they've talked to what they've typed. Because let's be honest, more people will do damage with their thumbs than they will their tongues. What if we were the kind of people that didn't jump to Facebook to talk about our problems, but we actually sat with people in their pain? Woo! How much of a, how much of a revival would that be? To sit with people. It's going to be awkward, church, but let's get uncomfortable with being, or let's get comfortable with being uncomfortable. What would it look like? See, I don't want to be the kind of person that is so focused on making a point that I'm misconnecting to a person. Because when I was at the gym, I'm sitting there, and this guy's just screaming at me. Now, we're in the middle of this gym, and it's like all this cardio equipment's all around us. And there's probably like, I don't know, 75 to 100 people in the gym all staring at us. No one came to help me. Thank you, guys. And I'm sitting there. I'm thinking, okay, Jesus, I thought this to myself. I said, Jesus, you have to show up here because this dude is crazy. And in a split second, how many of you guys know, when you invite Jesus into your situation, he will always exceed your expectation. I felt the glory and the presence of almighty God enter the space. I'm not kidding. I get chills every time I think about this. And I literally saw his face shift, and he goes, are you really just a nice guy? And I'm like, I would like to think so. You know, am I? I don't know. You tell me. <laughs> and he goes, you're really... You really don't have a problem with me. I said, why would I have a problem with you? I hardly know you. We've known each other seven days, and that was one encounter. He goes, you're a Christian and a pastor, right? That's what I've heard. I said, yeah. I'm like, great. Okay, round two. And, and he goes, dude, I grew up going to church, man, but I always thought it was just religion and rules. And I felt like the Lord dropped a word of knowledge in my heart, and I looked at him and I said, Johnny, how long have you been on drugs? Dude, it's a miracle your boy did not get punched. He looks at me without skipping a beat. He says, I've been hooked on pain meds for three years. And he pulls down his shirt. There's a scar across his chest over his heart. He goes, I had open heart surgery three years ago, and I got hooked on the pain medication and literally can't sleep without it, can't do anything without it. Literally, I'm, I'm, I'm reliant on it. And I said, bro, God wants so much for your life, so much more than you realize. Like, he wants to bring healing in your life. And so in this moment, 
two grown dudes at the gym are hugging in the middle of the gym. And everyone looking at us is like, what is going on? This guy was about to rip his face off, and now they're hugging each other. And I looked at him, and I said, all right, Johnny, here's what we're going to do. I said, let's go get Chipotle. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. And I want to hear your story. And so we sat in that Chipotle restaurant, and he rededicated his life to Jesus. He now attends Rochester Assembly weekly with their young adults, getting plugged in, being a part of the community, giving his life fully to Jesus. Now, I don't say all that to pat myself on the back like, wow, woe is you. But here's the deal, church. You cannot always control what happens to you in life, but you can control how you respond to what happens to you. Multiple people can go through the same thing and have completely different outcomes because of how they respond. You want to see healing in your marriage? Be quick to listen and slow to speak. You want to see healing in this world? Be quick to listen and slow to speak. How many families, how many church communities, how many people could be brought into the kingdom of God if we were better sitters than we were speakers. Ooh, that's a word. How many of us could actually see healing in the areas that were most hurt by our ability, don't punch me, to keep our mouth quiet? To say, I have so many things that I want to say, but I'm going to choose to connect to this person's heart over my desire of feeling hurt. Today, with every head bowed and every eye closed, I don't know if you're in here and you're saying, you know what, this message was for me. There's some areas in my life that I've just been out of alignment with when it comes to this text. And there's been some things that I need to, today, I'm choosing to get back in alignment with God's word to practice being quick, to listen and slow to speak. If that's you, you're in the room and you'd say, you know what? This message was for me today. I want you to lift your hand right now. I don't know who I'm praying for. Come on, don't be shy. This message is for me too. So Jesus, we see every hand raised right now. God, I pray that you would give us the space to put into practice this word. God, that we would we, we would see healing and restoration in your presence go before us because our ability to practice what we read in your word. God, will we be people who believe what we read, who apply what we read? As the Bible says, we will be blessed when we read it and when we hear it and we do it. God, would there be fruit that would come from today? Not just on this earth, but that would echo through eternity. God, would people get saved? Would there be something that is born in Homestead Community Church because of what is said here today? In Jesus' name, amen.